This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Big good morning, folks. It's wonderful to, to start this series out with you. And, and Greek, Greek goes back a long time. It's actually been a series I've been thinking about for a long time. Because I think that idea of grit and resilience is really important. And, and, and the grit of like overcoming stuff. And I feel like there's, kind of, there's a fork in the road. There's, there's one way you can look at grit, which is sort of like, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just make it the best day ever. Is that possible every day? No. Matter of fact, it's a little obnoxious sometimes. I remember my, my brother, who's a far, he's an amazingly funny guy, and he was telling this, this story to me and my siblings. He decided to run cross-country, and he decided it was all in his head that he wasn't as fast as the other kids. So he decides to sprint out of the gate, feeling it's just in his head he can sprint for the whole race. Didn't work terribly well. And I think that's the way maybe we can hold grit. Like, it's, it's, it can be sort of this... This silly thing, this light thing, this, hey, pull yourself up here on bootstraps. And I know as a pastor, I know as a person, I know as a husband, I know as a father, there's been more than one day where that was not what I needed to hear. Because life was just hard. It's hard in ways that are hard to articulate. It's hard in ways that are that, to put edges around. It's, it's hard in ways to communicate with anybody. And those are the days where maybe we just need this. Just held. Just hell. And that's going to be the perspective we take as we look at this next series on grit, is, is looking at those pieces and, and looking at the reality of, of life's challenges and, and really trying to look at it in, in some very direct ways. One of the authors who I find particularly good, she offers a lot of great insights, and I'm going to tie them in with the book of the Psalms here in a minute, is Kate Bowler here. Kate is a professor at Duke Divinity School, uh, she's a Mennonite, and she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And she wrote this beautiful book. And, and the book, again, has is, is, got all sorts of funny parts to it. Uh, you know, one of the humorous parts she had in there, she was talking about how people would, would tell her all the time, like, heaven's your real home, dear. You know, she's got a kid. She's got stage four cancer. And she's like, well, why don't you volunteer to go home first then? <laughs> like, she's filled with those kinds of lines which is really good. And her book, her insights are, are well worthwhile reading. And, and one of the ones I, I think I want to focus on and I wanted to shape this series is this beautiful quote here. Married in my 20s, a baby in my 30s, I won a job at my alma mater, Duke, straight out of graduate school. I felt breathless with the possibilities. Actually, it's getting harder to remember what it felt like, but I don't think it was anything as simple as pride. It was certainty. Can we say certainty with certainty? Certainty. It was certainty, plain and simple, that God had a worthy plan for my life in which every setback would also be a step forward. I wanted God to make me good and make me faithful with just a few little shiny accolades along the way. Anything would do if hardships were only detours. Wow, that's beautiful. And I think that's, we, we can view that, right? Like we can view our lives as they're going along, we're going to have a hardship, but it'll just be like getting off of the turnpike, but then getting right back on. Some hardships aren't that way. Some are, but many, many of them are not. 
She had this, this line, which I really like. It, she, she was working with people who were very well steeped in what's called the prosperity gospel. It's not, New Church does not hold to the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel essentially holds that all of God's love is transactional and that if you're a really good person, if you're a really good person, that God will actually grant you health and wealth. So he'll make you really healthy, he'll make you really wealthy. That's why you see things on the news where like pastors, God told me to have a $65 million plane. I will never tell you God told me to have a $65 million plane. But that's, that's what it is. It's where it comes from. And, and she found this very, very difficult. Listen to this line, folks. She said the hard part was this. People kept on trying to pour their certainty on my suffering. That's worthwhile taking a note on your phone, by the way. They wanted to pour their certainty on my suffering. And what she, what she came to realize was that she had to make a change. And, and, and the changes were big. And, and before saying that, I, I, just, I do want to apologize on behalf of all organized religion. <laughs> if you've ever had somebody try to pour certainty on your suffering, I apologize. That's <laughs> not really what faith is. Faith, I say it again and again, from the new church is the eye of love. And the eye of love is still there in the storms and is still there in the sunshine. It's always there. That's the faith that God is asking us. It's where we're going to close the service. I'll give you a little foreshadowing. That's where we're to discover a faith and love that is beyond our life circumstances. Because sometimes that suffering in life, folks, like it's, it's no longer a detour. It actually becomes the journey. And we've all had those threshold moments, right, where our life was this, and then we remember a phone call or a conversation or something, and now our life is this. How many of us still get nervous when we see certain phone numbers on our phone because of that? I, I definitely do. Like, there's some, like, oh, my goodness, it just gives sweaty palms. Like, I, this happened with one particular individual, and I told him about how I always get sweaty palms when I see his phone. And he called me up like about a month later, said, Chuck, I'm just calling, relax. That was good. What do we do, again, when the detour becomes the journey? Well, these were the lessons that she learned. I think these are very, very significant lessons, beautiful lessons. A painful promise I was forced to give up it was the promise that I could curate my own life, minimize my losses, Stand on my successes. In other words, she wanted to go to the great big tribunal in the sky and be able to have her Facebook page and a resume and say, here. (laughs) But when suffering is the journey, not the detour, that stuff seems to matter so much less. Now, one of the traditional ways that Christians have dealt with this over the years is the book of the Psalms, written, written thousands and thousands of years ago. And, and the, the Psalms are powerful because they just call it like it is. Like if you have a day where you're angry at God, read the Psalms. If somebody tells you it's bad to be angry at God or to doubt God or to be angry at other people, um, tell them, read the Psalms. <laughs> because the Psalms are just, are just filled with, yes, this great hope about what life can be, but also also this really painful part of life, too, where we call so much into question. 
That's why a typical, traditional Christian approach to really hard times literally is known as praying the Psalms. Literally, you start at Psalm 1 and you leaf your way through praying over them. And I want to share with you one of those Psalms. For those of you who've brought your Bible or those of you online who are following along, it's, it's Psalm 102. And I want you just to, again, like hear this language and hear it as the, as the language of lament. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your, haste, your face from me when I am in stress. Turn or bend your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat food. Isn't that interesting? Like when we go through stressful times, that happens all the time. Because of my loud groaning, I'm reduced to skin and bones. I'm like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food. I mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. Again, we believe that's a perception. It's not actually true. God actually isn't really angry, but it sure can feel that way sometimes. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither like grass. And then it comes right back to this beautiful hope. But you, you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You, you will arise and have compassion. That's a very typical psalm. And and I just, the language of this, folks, is so beautiful and poignant. Look at this line. Like, look at that. Bend, God, like, please, like, bend down to listen to me. Bend down to listen. Please bend down to listen. The word obedience, beautiful word, totally misused. The word obedience is Latin, obedire, lean in and listen. Lean in and listen. Bend down your ear. And then the other part of this psalm I thought was so beautiful is this line. My heart is sick, withered like grass. With, with, these, with these teachings, folks, I, I think it's important. It's, it's, it matters that, that as a church, we can be a church of gravitas. A church that's actually able to talk about life as life is and not just sort of skitter over the top too quickly. I realize we probably have a first timer right now thinking, New Church Live is such a downer. I don't mean it that way. We're actually a very upbeat church. And we can't get to that hope and that promise and that compassion unless we also wrestle with the ghost of loss that gets into our bones. We have to wrestle with that. Because that is part of our life's experience. And I know, because I've seen it in marriages, seen it in many places, there's this thing called resurrection. There's this thing called redemption. Now, as the band comes out, just think for yourself. Yeah, you know, this was a time where, where I really did feel that way. This was, this was yeah, this was in my mind. And it, and it maybe allow your life, too, to, to, to edge towards the hope, the upbeatness of life as well. And when we come back, we're going to look at both of those things. And how do we pull both of them together? Great to have, again, our, our panel. I want to just start out by just saying thank you to our panel. And, 
And folks, this is just a chance for us all to just take a breath and to just really get a chance to listen to one another. And we're very fortunate to have these folks here. So please give them a round of applause, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Welcome. I am Martha, and I get to co-host with Pastor Chuck. So I feel the privilege of being here and being in the presence of three beautiful people that have the experience of transforming in grit. And some of us haven't been to the places these beautiful people have been. So I request your presence with them as we speak with them and they share their experience, strength, and hope with us and their grit, and their messiness. It all belongs, so thank you. Would you introduce yourself? Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Anthony Stover. I am the Community Relations Director with the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House. Kane Lermit, uh, current cancer survivor. Brittany Lermit, I was his caretaker through his illness and all that. And just for you folks, like I want to just get people into the, the space of this. When, when you think to, to the struggle, right? And for you, when you can just take a breath <laughs> and you just can think, yeah, this is, this is where I've just sensed the struggle, you know, in the different places we've been, both care receiver, caregiver. You know, for me, uh, as a caregiver, I kind of get, I would like to say I'm a receiver because I get more than what I give. And, uh, you know, having the good fortune of being at the Ronald McDonald House as a caregiver for the past 20 years, um, I always like to share that I've got the best job in the world. And not for monetary reasons. I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> but... Like most of us, when I'm having a bad day and things aren't going my way, um, when I'm able to get to work, any of those families at the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House that are dealing with seriously ill children or trade places for my bad day in a heartbeat. And it just kind of keeps me grounded, it keeps me balanced, and it lets me know how important I am. And, and, and with that, can I give you a follow-up question? So when, when you picture, like, and I know you can't say names, but when you picture, like, oh, Chuck, when I, when I just need to understand or feel, like, resilience in my life, where I need to feel, like, held, what family comes to your mind? Can you, can you share a family in particular? That... Yeah, the, you know, I, again, over the past 20 years, there's been so many families uh, from all around the world that I have been touched and blessed by. Um, can, I, can I ask? Please. Who did you fall in love with deeply? What little person? I know there's <laughs> hundreds of them. Can you think of a particular one? Yeah. Um, the name. There, there, there's a, uh, a young man. He was from China. His name was Peter. And uh, Peter had started coming to the Ronald McDonald House about 10 years ago. And uh, he was just 
you know, learning his English. But I was able to communicate with Peter so well. And the strength that Peter brought to the table as I was trying to maybe influence my certainty on Peter <laughs> that everything was going to be well, uh, he wasn't having it. And he just wanted to live in the moment and the joy of the moment. And that was a beautiful gift to myself. So away from his oncology, away from everything that him and his family was going to, he wanted to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. he, and uh, so I, I would say Peter. Thank you. Uh, first, when Chuck asked us to come up here and talk about grit, um, I kind of thought to myself, well, I don't really know anything about grit. Um, <laughs> Because I think at least as far as my journey is concerned, um, what may look like holding on on the outside really felt a lot more like letting go. And a lot of that idea of how we were able to get through it, how I was able to get through it, was knowing that this person right here um, was actually making sure that life would continue both for us and our children. And so that idea of when I was in my darkest places and what I really was concerned about and struggled with was knowing that if, you know, the worst happened, that they would be okay. And this community here, and uh, in particular, Brittany, really made me realize that Whatever direction my health took, it was going to be okay. And that, that is what grit came down to for me, was the ability to let go of all those things that I was holding on and just focus on surviving. Thank you, Kane. Let's take a big breath with him. That's called facing one's mortality. And nobody prepares us for that kind of grit, right? For real. Thank you, Kane. And this Brittany. How about Brittany, you people? Let's give her a hand. Along with that... Um, my biggest problem also was kind of giving up control. I'm a control freak, if you know me. I want to do everything myself. I've got it under control. I want to always pretend that I have it together. Um, but obviously, you can't always do that. Um, and trying to always figure out what he needed without also running myself into the ground with exhaustion and also controlling and managing my kids emotions, mm -hmm. um, you know, because it, they were all over the place as well through this entire process. So making sure that they're taken care of and he's taken care of and not forgetting about myself too was um, really difficult. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I, sorry, my voice. <laughs> I'm learning about my own voice, so bear with me with some breath.
One of the things I was thinking about in terms of grit and accepting support, either getting a hand or giving a hand in moments of trauma or grief or whatever, hardship, was what do each of these humans have to give up about themselves in order to be open to receive? And you have some pretty powerful people on this stage at this moment who have known themselves in very specific ways. And I'm going to ask you, in order to be open to receive, what did you have to give up? What way of being did you have to give up in order to be open to receive whatever was available? I actually get to go first, Martha. I'm inter inter interrupting, just give you guys a moment to think. I know for me, first off, you have such amazing questions, so thank you. For me, it's knowing, uh, you know, Kane, I remember going to the hospital and thinking, I got to have the perfect thing to say. And it's given up that idea that there's the perfect thing to say that's going to make your precious family be okay. I'm going to invite Anthony from the Ronald McDonald House. He was generous enough to share some of his personal story with me before the service. And so I'm going to actually do a Martha deal and throw him under the bus and <laughs> ask him to put down his professional hat and join us as the human that he has been on his path of life. And he had to give up some things along the, his path, of course. Thanks, Martha. Um, <laughs> I, I want to go to the first part of the question, though, first, in regards to what I had to give up in order to receive. And it's two words, listen and silence. And if you think of those two words, they have the same letters. And I had to learn that I didn't have to know everything. I didn't have to say everything. But if I would just listen and be silent, I would hear it and then I could feel. And I could better react in feeling than having to be in control. Um, the second part, in regards to my personal life, um, I, I was married for 25 years and... Uh, a little over five years ago, my then wife said that she didn't want to be married no more. And that uh, she didn't want to, she didn't love me anymore. And I recognized that I was powerless. There was nothing I could do but respect her. And the Ronald McDonald House played a, a big part in that healing process. And that goes back to what I said earlier about I get more than I give. And what I didn't do in that process was I, I didn't turn to alcohol or drugs or other people. Um, I, I, I didn't want to put myself in a position where I was taking advantage of someone or if I were going to be taken advantage of. And through just letting go and letting God, and believe me, there was a lot of pain, there was a lot of hurt, there was a lot of not understanding, there was a lot of what you talked about in Psalms where I 
curse God and why why me and uh but then it all came back around to like I said when I'm having a bad day and I get to work and any of these families that are dealing with seriously old children or trade places for my bad day in a heartbeat, I kind of hooked onto that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've become a better person for it. And, 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 uh, and I still love my wife, and I will always love my wife, um, but I'm learning how to love me through, mm-hmm. through, 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 through God and, you know, other people that, whereas, you know, I, I, like, I always say, you know, in, in, in giving of yourself, you get so much back and, uh, just giving of myself so much at the Ronald McDonald house through my place of worship, uh, that's where I'm at. And I hope I beautiful. answered that question. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, thinking about that, um, I think the moment of surrender into radical acceptance um, is the phrase that I use frequently because uh, the reality is when you have cancer um, that you're not really in control. Like any, any assumption that you had about being in control is just over. Um, from diagnosis onward. And when I was sitting um, in a hospital bed alone, um, reflecting um, overnight about where I was at and what the diagnosis meant, um, I was able to get to a place where uh, I remember the words of Jesus in the garden um, saying, you know, to God the Father, uh, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And that was the beginning of an ultimate surrender of just saying, look, I know I don't have it. It's not mine. And from that point onward, um, just being able to say, like, whatever happens, there was no point in fighting. And, you know, people talk a lot, and I don't mean to demean anyone who feels like cancer is a fight, but for me it was never a fight. It was a, it was about a subsuming of an idea and a, of who I was and pushing my identity down to be in a place of just acceptance, whether that's love, whether that's medical treatment, whether that's Whatever comes, um, just being in a place of that radical acceptance of what is. And to add a little bit of humor to it, um, whenever they would have me sign waivers that said that they could perform different med- medical procedures on me, I, was, I would always say, and believe me, they had gotten used to me by this point, um, I would say, wait, the alternative to this is that I end up dying, right? <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I'll sign the papers. I, I'm, I'm willing to sign. So, but that, that was really it, was about that idea of just being in a place where understanding that there was nothing that I could do other than accept what was. Um, like I said before, just giving up control and knowing that, yes, whatever somebody is offering me, they're doing it out of a place of really wanting to help. 
Um, they're not just doing it as an empty gesture. People truly, re really do want to help you. Um, and there's no way I could have done this without everybody else chipping in. I couldn't be at the hospital with him as much without people taking my kids. Um, having three kids made this way more difficult than if we hadn't had children. Um, so my time was split. Either I was down at the hospital with him and my, you know, not with my kids, or I was with my kids and wishing I was with him. So it was like a constant struggle there. Um, Take a breath and just soften. So just learning to say yes, because I'm not very good at that. Yeah. Just accepting the help. Um, Could you think of a specific time where somebody offered to do something that was just beyond your capacity? Like, some of us have bathrooms. We don't want our friends or family to clean, right? <laughs> You know, like, I don't care how bad it gets, but old what's-her-name isn't going into my bathroom. <laughs> I imagine that Brittany Lermit may have one or two of those places in her life. Um, might be around food, might be around cleanliness, might be around her children that she loves. Do you remember a time specific, where it was like, I hate this, but I, I'm going to say yes. I would say people just, yeah, people offering to bring food was difficult for me. I don't want people having to go, put, putting people out is really hard for me. I don't want people going out of their way. to do anything for me. <laughs> so that is hard. Or people offering to pay for massages or whatever it is. Um, I'm like, well, he should be getting that. Or, he, you know, like that should be going to him or whatever. But, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, so this awkwardness about clapping is really awkward. So let's take some breath of gratitude for each of these beautiful humans and their grit and their path. Because clapping, we want to clap, and yet it's so deficient for what's present in this moment. Right? So let's all take three deep breaths of gratitude for them sharing their path, their grit, their humanity with us. It is the deepest privilege and on behalf of the audience here and online, each and every one of the hearts here that you opened your heart to gives many, many blessings to each of you on your path. Just a simple word of thank you. 
You know, I, I think so much of, of, of life is, is for us to understand again, this together part. And that's what grit is, right? Like, like grit, none of you could have done these things together. And yet you two have left something that will help many people. So thank you. Bless you. Love all three of you. So that was powerful. Let me grab my, my, my stand over here. That's powerful to hear and powerful when we can start to understand our, our journeys and our, our journeys together and, and what those journeys can look like. When, when we look at that, there's, there's secrets that we can find. It's interesting with Kate Barlow. So, so she talked about a secret that she found. So I have an envelope and the envelope is called the secret. What I want to do is I want somebody who's really brave to raise their hand, and I'm going to have you read what she found as the secret. So I'm going to come out in the audience. Brave soul, all you need to do is know how to read. That's it. All right? So if you're brave soul, please raise your hand. I wish I could do a drum roll right now. There we go. Oh, there's a drum roll, yes. Oh, you did big, big, big letters because I know it's like to be over 50. Where I thought to find anger, I found love. Isn't that good? So please give a round of applause, folks. Love that idea of, of you know, where, where she thought she was going to find, i got to grab my sheet over here, where she thought she was going to find anger. Instead, what she found was she found love. She found love. You know, and that idea of light, that idea of light and, and what the secret can look like in our lives. And if we can allow that, that light to come through, we, we can discover love. Now, now it'll be a different kind of love because, because life will have detoured in different ways. But we can find it. And again, we find it together. So what would I offer to you, you know, in terms of, of some things that I know and, and things that I would offer in terms of, of grit? Well, the first one is, is really simple. Please don't skip to the end of the story. It's easy when we face the challenges of life, at least I do this all the time, we skip right to the end. And if we skip to the end, for most of us, skipping to the end, does that tend to be positive or negative? I skip to a negative end most of the time. But, but how, do we, how do we sort of just, you know, again, it, getting back to what Anthony was saying about Peter, like, like how do we just live in this moment knowing that this moment is hard? knowing that we're just here to show up as best we can. And this is the other part I know. I remember a particular moment myself where I'd gone through one of the hardest circumstances, one of the hardest losses I ever went through in my life. And I remember feeling like I was literally losing my nut, like I literally was just totally off balance. And I went to see somebody about it, and, and their words were so poignant. And they said, Chuck, you know, you're never going to go back to the life that you had. And life is still good. 
wow, those words freed me. They just freed me. That idea that, that God is with us like no matter what. It's the no matter whatness of God. Don't skip to the end of the story. Remember God is with you on this journey. Remember he walks with you. He is with you. And the point of grit comes down to this. A very, very simple concept. When we come to experience a faith, a love, not based on life circumstances. Where we start to experience this love that's so far beyond what we can put edges around, handles on, that we can tie up in neat bows, that it, it just is a love that becomes at our, at our very, very core. Very much who we are. So, I wish all of you a week of great grit. If we could have one more round of applause for our speakers to thank them. I'd invite you back to next week. Next week we have a, a family coming and uh, I'm going to be interviewing them and they actually lost their home at Thanksgiving but then had this whole set of miracles come out the other side of it. We're going to be looking at that story. That'll be next week. So we hope to see you then. Great to have all you folks here and please help me in closing the service in prayer. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. Help us, Lord, to, to continue to find ways more and more as best we can to continue to show up, to continue to move forward, to continue to do life as best we can, to continue, Lord, to find that grit. And it's, it's not the grit of self-control, but it's the grit, really, that's much more born of self-surrender. Help us, Lord, to move on our way. Help us, Lord, to go. Help us to take a step. Help us to start the journey. Not a journey where we necessarily know the destination, but a journey where we know this, that we are held, that we are loved, and that you are pulling all of us to this place, this place called home. Thank you for your presence among us today. Thank you for these beautiful stories that these people share. Thank you, Lord. Give us this in our lives, a bit of grit. In your name, with great joy, we close this service today. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.